Hello and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson. And because my passion week after week is to help dads become heroes, you know that it is my joy to bring you relevant topics that support that goal, especially when it comes to the dad-daughter relationship. Well, before we begin, let me review the template that works as a grid every week to guide this conversation. It's on your mark, get set, go. Picture yourselves standing side by side each other, ready to run your fathering race this week. On your mark is the topic. Get set. You're getting him to position by understanding that topic, getting stories, getting stats, things that help you understand that theme, and then go, always ending with an action step so that you can put your love for your daughters and your sons into action this week. Well, today I'm excited to have a guest joining us whose name is Stephen Kendrick. And Stephen is a man that I've come to know and respect over the past couple of years through an organization that we both are a part of called the Fatherhood Commission, which he actually co-founded. And at the last conference this past November in Georgia, Stephen and I sat down and we talked about him joining me on the program, and I'm so honored that he's here with us today. Well, there's so much I could tell you about him, but here are a few highlights just to get the conversation started so that you know who it is who's going to be talking with you today. Stephen has been a pastor, and you will hear today that he has a pastor's heart, which continues to lead him to make the truth of Jesus palatable for people whether through films, where he has been a writer and a producer, or as a speaker at marriage, filmmaking and men's conferences, or through the written word as an author. Now, you may recognize his name, Stephen Kendrick, and his brother, Alex, who founded Kendrick Brothers Productions. And together, they have written and produced such movies as Courageous, War Room, Fireproof, Facing the Giants, and Flywheel. You've probably watched one of them, if not more than one. And they have powerfully impacted lives worldwide and here in the U.S. They've also co-authored the best-selling books, The Love Dare, The Resolution for Men, and The Battle Plan for Prayer. So Stephen and his wife, Jill, live in Albany, Georgia, with their six children. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Michelle. I've been grateful for the opportunity to get to know you and to be on this program today. Well, thanks for coming and taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. Well, on your mark today, I've titled this conversation, What It Takes to Be a Courageous Dad. Clearly, I'm using the word courageous off of one of your movies, which really inspired me many years ago. And I'm excited to talk with you a little bit about that today. So now for the get set part, let's let's just set a background here as a seasoned dad to three sons and three daughters. You've got a full house. I want to invite you just to tell our listeners a little bit about what it means to be a courageous dad when it comes to fathering. And tell us just a little bit about you, your upbringing, how your dad modeled to you, what a strong father looks like, and anything else you want to tell us. Sure. Well, uh, I grew up in a home where my dad was the chain breaker in our family. You know, he, he was setting a new direction for the whole family tree by some key decisions that he made. And uh, his father was an alcoholic. Uh, His father was seven feet tall, believe it or not, when I was a kid. I used to hug his knees, you know, (laughs) when I was a little little bitty kid. But but he was not faithful to his wife. He was, uh, you know, alcohol was a key part of his life. So my dad grows up in the poverty, insecurity, uh, dysfunction of this alcoholic father. But when he was a teenager, he got to know the Lord, and he gave his life to Christ, and that was a key turning point in his life because 
God stepped in and started redirecting the direction of our father's life. You know, he transformed us from the inside out. And mm-hmm. so instead of following the model that he had been given, the only, you know, blueprint that he'd been given for fatherhood, he started looking in the scriptures. He started reading books about fatherhood and then connecting with other men that were strong fathers to try to teach him, you know, how to be a good dad. And he also prayed. He's like, God, how do I do this? I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And, um, and so I, I tell people, I used to stumble upon my dad, not looking at pornography, but I, I literally would stumble on, upon him in different times on his knees, wow. praying, saying, God, would you help me? And would you help our family? And so in the midst of that, we grew up, though, seeing the benefits of a, of a father who was willing to humble himself before God, who was willing to admit his need and dependence upon God. And it translated into him making very wise decisions for our family, uh, unselfish decisions for our family, um, and and really courageous decisions because he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, this is the direction we're going to go. And he made his own resolution. You know, we, we feature that in the movie Courageous, but it was our dad that modeled that in our lives where he mm-hmm. said, regardless of what my dad did, I will be faithful to my wife. I will be faithful to my kids. I'm going to try to be faithful to God as best as I can. And so we grew up in a home where he tried to walk in integrity. You know, when he blew it, he would apologize, you know, to us. That's significant. And, uh, yeah. That's huge. That, that was one of the things I loved and respected about him the most was that he would come to us and say, have I made a promise and I didn't keep it? You know, have I, have I failed you in any way and I not made it right? You know, have I disciplined you in anger? Have I hurt you in any way? And we need to talk about that. With that example, though, my brothers, my two brothers and I um, grew up with a a better understanding of fatherhood because he loved us. uh, He did provide for our family. He did make decisions to protect us at different times from different things. But we did see in him an example of a loving father who, in the midst of insecurities, in the midst of I don't know what I'm doing, he was engaged and doing his best, and it had a huge impact on our lives. Mm, such a powerful story to show that whatever template we've, you know, you, or you as dads have had modeled, right, in your dad's yeah. showing you how to be a father, it can always change in any direction when you make well, a one decision. Of the best dads, one of the best dads that I know is a guy, he's a good friend of mine named Jim, and he grew up in a home without a dad at all. His dad died when he was just a few months old. And Jim, basically, same kind of thing. It was through his relationship with God, through prayer, and really trying to be the dad that he wished he had had. You know, a lot That's of guys saying, I've never seen it modeled. Mm-hmm. But you remember what it felt like to think, I, I wish dad was in the stands cheering for me as I'm stepping up to, to bat. You know, mm-hmm. I wish dad would step into my life right now and give me direction because I don't know what I'm doing. You mm-hmm. know, I there... wish dad would tell me to man up because wow. you know, right now I'm acting like a little kid, yeah. you know, and I'm I'm feeling insecure. I wish dad would teach me how to tie a tie or how to, mm-hmm. you know, drive a car or balance a, check, a checkbook, you know, or stay stand up to the bullies, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or even teach me what does it mean to be a man and when do I become a man? You know, yeah. I think a lot of young guys are asking these questions and they're longing for dad to step in. And too often it doesn't happen 
But when they step into that role of fatherhood, they can be say, you know what? I know what I wished that I wanted, mm-hmm. and I know what I was longing for as a kid, and I'm going to try to do that for my own kids. And some of the men we meet too, they, they they're like, what I do for my kids is what I wished my dad had done for me, and it just helps guide some of the decisions that I make. Mm-hmm. So here you are, one of three boys. You've not had girls that you grew up with, sisters. How did you then, speaking of being courageous? How have you stepped into being a dad to three daughters when that has not been in your experience? Right. Well, it has definitely been a new adventure because uh, girls are so different from boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they uh, they can be more emotional. You know, they can be uh, much more relational. When you leave my boys alone, they will tend to default to going out and building Legos or working on projects mm-hmm. or filming their own home movies or running around in the backyard, you know. My daughters are wanting to hold dolls. They're wanting to crawl up in my lap. You know, Daddy, read me a story. <laughs> you know, let's make cookies together. <laughs> I mean, it's just, there's just this whole different, you know, dynamic. And so uh, for me, um, I have been asking God to, to help me, you know, because this has been a new adventure for me. But I know that relationships are so important to them and that they need to hear often how much I love them, how beautiful they are to me, uh, how I I delight to be in their presence, that when they walk up, instead of saying, get out of my way, you're an irritation to me, you know, (laughs) by my body language, you know, that I'm saying, climb in my lap and, you know, and let's talk, you know, kind of thing. And so, again, it's not rocket science. But I think just having an open arms and an open heart goes a long way with a daughter. Yeah, absolutely. That Some of those little things are such big things to girls, aren't they? Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. Because for us, it, it, can, it can take us three seconds to say, you look so beautiful today, you know. But to them, it could be transforming to say, my mm-hmm. daddy thinks that I'm beautiful. And that's huge for me. Exactly. Now, you have a daughter who was adopted from China. So has there been any difference with dialing into her heart in contrast to your own biological daughters? Absolutely. We adopted her when she was two and a half, and Mia is is a delight to our home. She is Mm. walking sunshine. And... um, (laughs) But she was born with a major heart condition, and in China, if you don't have the money, you don't get the surgery. And her mom basically gave her up and left her outside of a bank because it's either keep her and let her die or let her you know, go with someone who has money who can help save her life. So oh she actually put all the medical condition information, her heart condition, the needed surgery kind of stuff – all that information in a basket, wrapped her in a red blanket, which means in China, good luck, I love you. Mm. And then she she left. In our home, because she was passed, you know, from nanny to nanny inside this orphanage, didn't have toys of her own. Uh, we don't know in those first two years, you know, if they came when she cried, if somebody was holding or loving on her. And so we we've noticed that Anytime the kids grab anything out of her hands, she just has a big meltdown. Mm. It could be a cookie. It could be, and right now she's seven. And so if if you grab a toy out of her hand, grab a cookie out of her thing, hand, it's like you cut her arm off and it's just this big, huge crying fit meltdown. And it's, right. So my wife and I, this week, have even been talking about this. We're like, we, we don't know what's going inside of her heart that when something is taken away from her, 
that it's just this crisis, yeah. you know, because as a, as a kid, her mom was taken away from her and the exactly. nannies, you know, were checking, you know, clocking in and clocking out and passing her on to the next person and toys were taken away mm-hmm. because they were all community shared within this orphanage. And she basically had nothing that was her own. And so we've been talking with her about, you know, when do we discipline her when she throws a wild fit and when do we just hold her and, mm. and try to comfort her and figure out what's the wound there or the fear there that's going on that's causing this? Because our other kids, yes, kids have meltdowns and fits, when, you know, when they don't get their way. Yeah. But this has just been, you know, times three over issues mm-hmm. that, that are really small. And so we, we've been praying uh, this past week, God, show us what we need to do. When do we need to discipline you know, when does she need a spanking and when does, when does she need, you know, you know, just to hold her and comfort her because mm-hmm. of what's going on inside of her heart? Oh, thank you for sharing that. Just like you said, it just happened this week. Well, if you're just joining yeah. us, I'm talking with Stephen Kendrick, writer and co-author, producer of the movie Courageous. And we're talking about what it takes to be a courageous dad. So let's talk a little bit about the movie. I remember when this came out, I was so stoked as a leader of fathers myself about this movie that calls men to action in their role as fathers. So I'd love to just hear what led you to make a movie, not only where fathers are the primary focus, but I'm wondering, even in your role as a dad, how did the movie influence you personally as you were making it and putting it together? Sure. Well, we were seeing in the culture that fatherhood is so overlooked, but mm-hmm. the stats were all pointing back to fatherhood. The people in prison, the only, the main thing they had in common, like 80% of the people that are in prison, was that they grew up in homes without a good relationship with their dad. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, there was different education, different economic, different races, different, but that was the one key factor that we kept coming back to. And that, that the research proves that um, when kids' dads are not involved, they're like five times more likely to use drugs and commit suicide. You know, the, they're the, much more likely to not finish high school or to girls that don't have engaged fathers are much more likely to be uh, involved sexually, get mm-hmm. pregnant early. You know, there's all of these uh, problems that flow out of that dysfunctional relationship because dads are supposed to be protecting, providing, leading, loving, guiding their children. With all that in mind, Alex and I, my brother, were praying through what does this next movie need to be about? And we just kept coming back to fatherhood. What would it look like if four or five different men from different fathering backgrounds Mm -hmm. started teaching one another and helping one another, and they made the decision Regardless of what my dad did, because everybody has an imperfect dad, you know, but regardless of what my dad did, I am going to make the decision to love my wife, to love my children, to provide, protect, and be involved in their lives and to model uh, what it looks like to be a loving, involved father. Mm -hmm. So courageous, the storyline flowed out of that. We ended up making it about police officers because we could add some some cool action in there in the process, you know. (laughs) But um, but you watch and follow these different dads through the journey with their kids and what it looks like for them to get involved and get engaged. Because a lot of men are out there and they may have great relationships with their kids or no relationship at all. And they need encouragement to take that next step and, and to connect with their children at a deeper level, 
love them, speak truth into their life, and then model the way. Well, and I loved how in that movie, Stephen, there was, you know, here's these dads that are a bit rough around the edges, but you could tell they had good hearts, you know, and you walked us through this transformation process of them getting what it really means to walk out their love for their kids. Like, I remember one of the stories, isn't the guy named Mitchell? Adam Mitchell. And he adored his daughter, Emily, and then she gets killed by a drunk driver. He can't connect with his son. But I remember that being such a powerful part of the movie because you watch him change through his grief, through really getting what matters, knowing that you never know if that might be your last day with your child. And can That's you share, right. I remember, he isn't he the one that came up with this resolution? You moved that into the storyline that way. Can you tell us about exactly the right. resolution that you said was really birthed out of some things with your dad and even tell people how they can get a copy of that if they want to have one at home that they live by? Sure. Well, um, that resolution is basically a commitment to, to move into a direction of doing everything that God's called you to be as a dad, everything that Scripture commands you to be as a dad and as a man. And so, and it's really birthed out of what our dad did. You know, mm-hmm. he, he looked at the model of his father and, and he made the decision, I'm going to forgive him. You know, bitterness will tie a chain between your heart and the heart of the person that you're bitter with. And it basically will enslave you you know, uh, in that relationship. But when we forgive, it can break that chain so that we can heal and then move on in, in towards a place of health. And so I tell people healing doesn't take place until forgiveness takes place. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this person in your past has shoved a knife in your side. And if you don't pull that knife out and forgive, you're going to continue 20, 30, 40 years from now be dealing with that wound because there's still a knife in your side, you know? Mm-hmm. And so forgiveness is always um, benefiting us as much or more than the person that we're forgiving. Uh, People talk about that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. every area of our lives can be contaminated when we get wounded and we don't forgive. Mm -hmm. Well, so many people have a father wound, you know, because, because, fatherhood is tied to the heart. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get a man crying, get him talking about his dad yeah. because he'll either tear up because he's hurt by his dad or he's angry with his dad, or he loved him deeply and respected mm-hmm. him you know, greatly. And so in the same way with women, you know, get people to talk about their dad and it, it will reveal a lot about them as an individual, mm-hmm. whether they you know, whether they adored and modeled, you know, modeling their life around their dad, or they're trying to prove their dad wrong because he said they'd never amount to anything, you know, whatever it may be. But so much of our lives are connected to that, 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 that key foundational relationship. And we're not undermining at all the priceless role of moms. I'm just saying that culture oftentimes focuses in on motherhood and moms get engaged and are connected with their children, children growing up and dads so often in culture will disengage and mm-hmm. culture doesn't our culture does not strengthen and and show godly wonderful healthy examples of fatherhood usually in the news or the media or in movies yeah sadly so, i agree and i Stephen, I so appreciate you bringing up this point of forgiveness and i think we want to point out that forgiveness is not something that says I've forgotten what's happened or it may still mean that you have boundaries in place with that person But it means that you have let go, like you said, of the bitterness, of the resentment, handed it off to God so that you're able to get free. 
That's right. You're basically, when we're not forgiving someone, we have thrown them into a little prison inside of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And we've said, you owe me, and you wounded me, and you hurt me, and I'm not going to let you out of this prison. I'm going to stay mad at you, and I'm going to continue to punish you by staying mad at you. And it doesn't hurt them. You know, they go out and live the rest of their lives in freedom, in a sense, even though that what they did may have been wrong. But it only contaminates us. It physically hurts us. Bitterness lowers resistance to disease. It hardens your facial features. It emotionally drains us. It contaminates our speech because we're often running down that person we're bitter with and just kind of venting about how we're mad at them and what they did. And when we forgive and release that person and turn them over to God, we're basically saying, God, you're the judge, not me. And I'm going to extend the same grace to this undeserving person the same way that Christ did for me in forgiving me and extending grace to me when I didn't deserve it. And when we do that and we set that person free from that prison inside of our hearts and say, I I forgive, I'm choosing to forgive. They do not deserve it but I'm choosing to forgive. When we do that, we get set free. Absolutely. And let's go back to that. If anyone wants to get a copy, a free resolution for men print, they can email you at resolution at kendrickbrothers.com. See, I did a little prep with your assistant. and, And that there's a cost for shipping, but the actual resolutions are free if anyone wants to give them out. Oh my goodness, our time is going so fast. I've got two more questions for you. The first, how would you define a courageous father, Stephen? Well, all of us deal with our own insecurities. And so what I tell men is you may feel like the most insecure man in the world, and you may feel like you have issues in your mind and your heart. But um, in Scripture, one of the most courageous men uh, in Scripture and a great dad in a lot of ways was David, King David. Mm-hmm. And um, he um, with Solomon, he got it right in how he and how he fathered Solomon. With Absalom, he got it wrong. You know, right. but David, if you look at the way he was in his prayer closet before God, it was like he's he was a crying little insecure middle school boy. <laughs> exactly. You know? He's like, God help me! I don't know what I'm doing, and my enemies are surrounding me, and I'm afraid, and I'm fearful, and you know, and you see him in his prayer closet being transparent before a holy, awesome God. But yet, in the mid, the God, he would then get up and walk out of that, and God would strengthen him to go out and be a strong man. It's okay for the warrior to be a child in your in your prayer closet. It's okay for you, you to shut your prayer closet door and get in there and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea how to have my daughter's heart. I have no yeah. idea how to better my marriage. I'm struggling with my work right now, you know. And I've learned, I, I've learned just to be completely transparent yeah. before God in prayer. And here's what happens. My sin that makes us fearful, you know, sin makes men fearful and, and to disengage. I confess that to him in prayer, and he forgives me. My worry, which can make me fearful, assuming the worst of the future, I can pray through my worries and cast those cares over on God in prayer, and this peace comes over me, you mm-hmm. know. My confusion in my prayer closet, James 1, 5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God to give it to you, and he'll pour it out. Mm-hmm. I've seen many times, I'm like, I do not know what to do with my kids in, in, in a business decision, with my own health or life or whatever it may be. And I'm, at, I'm laying it before God, and I've seen consistently, it's like he begins to download over the next few hours and days, <laughs> the direction I need to make that right decision. Yeah. It- so when I'm a and a, a, a boy in my prayer closet, it helps me to stand up then and walk out 
with forgiveness, with freedom, without the worry, with boldness that his spirit provides, and to walk forward in love and to be the leader he's called me to be. Oh, I love that. I love that. Scripture is definitely a part of it, but I just say if, if you can just focus in on learning how to engage God in prayer, which actually the book, The Battle Plan for Prayer that we wrote, is helps people to engage God effectively in prayer. Oh. But and I'm not trying to pitch a book here, but I'm just saying that it's a the, resource. The, the, yeah, yeah, it is a resource that men can use to to learn to teach them how to pray and pray effectively. Mm. Here's my last question for you. So, I love ending with a go step. What would you say, Stephen? Is one way that you would suggest dads this week put their love for their daughters into action in a courageous way? What would you say? That's a good question. I, w- I would say. Forgive your father if he has hurt you, because your bitterness with your own father will contaminate your relationship with your daughter. Oh, that is so, so good. That is so, so good. You, so you, all of us, you know, have imperfect fathers. And if you have any anger and bitterness with your father, you may not realize it, but it is poisoning your relationship with your children. So forgive your dad. Make the decision. He doesn't deserve it, but make the decision that you are going to volitionally choose to let your dad out of that prison that's in your heart. You, he's been in there long enough. You've been angry long enough. You've vented about it long enough. It's time to forgive him. Hmm. When you do that, it'll be this huge breakthrough in your heart. I mean, it just, it, it's like taking the, the, the parking brake off of your life when you do that. Oh. Secondly, I would start praying for praying blessings over your kids. God, would you help my daughter to grow up in purity? Would you help her to know she's loved? Would you surround her with good friends? Would you um, would you prepare a, an awesome man for her to marry one day? Mm. Would you give her wisdom for her decisions? Would you give her favor with key people? Would you give her understanding and education? Would you protect her from harm? You know, just open up your heart and pray anything good you can think of. You just pray. Uh, I love this. Oh, this is so so good. This will turn your heart towards her, and it will also get God involved in your fathering. Mm. Okay. So well said. Stephen Kendrick, thank you for joining us today, letting dads know what it takes to be a courageous dad. You've spelled it out so clearly. If men aren't walking away with tools today, they're not listening. So thank you for joining us. It's been a joy to have you here. Thank you, Michelle. God bless. 